Good afternoon, everyone. It's a sunny and rainy day at the same time out here in Augusta. Um, but of course, I'm Omar, joined by my good friend Jackson, who's uh, feeling it this weekend. We won't talk about it much. We won't talk about that game much if he doesn't want to. But he's feeling it this weekend. Uh, another exciting week of college football. This week's not not that exciting. But um, any opening thoughts on this past week? Um. Yeah. Uh, to keep it that close against Bama with that many self-inflicted mistakes is actually it's kind of impressive that we should have won the game like there, there's no way I feel good about this because we lost but when you have that many errors that you just cause yourself and you keep it that close and when you were down 21 you, you were down 21-3 in the first quarter we had a 99-yard drive like we, we came back a little bit just obviously wasn't enough so we'll get them in December but yes yeah, so looking on to this week um man there aren't that many great games but there are a lot of like decent games and we'll, we'll get into that when we have our games of the week to watch yeah I mean a lot of opportunities for um Cinderella teams to emerge but again you'll get into it with our games of the week uh we're gonna start off of course with our, our early season routine let me turn my phone on silent that early season routine of picking our sort of players of the week and players to watch so um, I, I don't know. Did I did I draft first last week? I think I did draft first last week. So Jackson, I'll, I'll let you take the first uh, first quarterback. Man, I appreciate it, man. I'm gonna go with Eric Barrier. I'm gonna snatch him up while I can. Uh, quarterback from Eastern Washington, a guy we talked a lot about in the spring in the FCS season. Uh, he was 31 for 45, 542 yards, six tutties. No interceptions and a huge win. It was a it was a uh, a shootout between uh, Eastern Washington and Western Illinois. So great job to Barrier. And next week, uh, October the weekend of October second, uh, Eastern Washington has a nationally televised after dark game uh, on ESPN two. Huge for the Big Sky Conference against Montana. Uh, everyone knows Montana defeated Washington, so that'll be an interesting matchup for sure for Barrier. And I think honestly. I think he'll definitely be a front runner for the Walter Payton if he if he shows off in that game against that strong Montana defense. So I was able to handle Washington and hold them to only seven points. Uh, staying with FCS trend, I'm going to go with the guy that I absolutely love, uh, you know, because he's an Ivy Leaguer. But uh, we got EJ Perry. <laughs> EJ Perry is absolutely one of the most exciting players in FCS that you don't know about. And it's kind of sad because the talent around him on Brown, it, it just doesn't match the talent that that he has. Um, no offense to to anyone on Brown, but EJ Perry, Boston College transfer. Um, you dig way back in 2018. Anthony Brown, yes, that Anthony Brown gets hurt in the second quarter or in the first and second quarter against Clemson in a game where the winner controls her destiny for the ACC Atlantic uh, Division. So he gets hurt. EJ Perry steps in, struggles, then transfers to Brown, and he's absolutely rocked it. 2019, he was a per game, a total yards per game leader for the for FCS with over 340 per game. Did not disappoint this weekend against Rhode Island in a 45 to 24 loss. He had he went 38 of 62, 345 yards, two touchdowns. Also added 59 rushing yards on nine carries with a long of 22 yards. And I, I've been bugging Jackson about EJ Perry because he's on the senior bowl watch list and Jackson loves the senior bowl, but I hope to see him at the senior bowl. I think he's a shoe in for the East West shrine game because they had two Ivy league quarterbacks in 2020. When I went Kevin Davidson free agent signing for the Browns. And then the great, the great Kurt Rollins, a guy that I saw twice who, uh, I really wish he could have gotten, you know, more pro attention. But EJ Perry, definitely a guy that could give Eric Barrier a run for his money for the Walter Payton if Brown plays better. 
And the Ivy, Ivy League needs to hire you, just like the Mountain West needs to hire Scott. Uh, man, you're, you're, I know that's all you watched this weekend. Um, uh, yeah, no, he had an awesome game. That, that's all, I certainly did not see it. You were right in that I did not know about him. Um, so that, that's awesome to hear about him. So definitely a guy we'll have to keep an eye on. Uh, I've got Jake Hayner, uh, quarterback from Fresno State, in that big win versus UCLA. 39 for 53, 455 yards, uh, two touchdowns. Yes, an interception, but any time that you're going against a, a pretty good UCLA team and get a 74% completion percentage, that is awesome. And, man, on the year, he's not half bad either. Uh, he's already almost at 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns. The interception against UCLA was, was his lone one for the year. He's at 180.5 quarterback rating. He's he's killing it so far this year. This wasn't an outlier. Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to bring up Hayner later on in the, in the pod after we go through our teams, Hayner and Calvin Austin to be exact. But just honestly, what an electric moment. What a, what a Heisman moment to be in the Rose Bowl at night, hurt on the ground. This is like the closest we'll get. Uh, to the Byron Leftwich moment, you know, back in 2001 when his linemen were, car- were carrying him on the field, just shows the heart and soul of college football. I'm getting chills just talking about it right now. Uh, what a win for Fresno State. And we'll see what they can do in the Mountain West race because Boise State is looking kind of vulnerable. We'll see in conference play how they look. But Hayter and Fresno State, they look like, um, you know, contenders out in the Mountain West. For my guy, I'm going to go Power Five. Surprising, right? But I don't know. I don't think you could ignore Will Rogers' performance throughout this year, uh, especially this past weekend, going 50 for 67 for 419 yards against Memphis in that controversial game out in the Liberty Bowl. Oh my goodness! Which we'll talk more. We'll talk a little bit more about later on. But Will Rogers, he's got some solid games coming up in the SEC West. He's got LSU this weekend. Of course, we'll have Mississippi. Like I, I cannot wait for Thanksgiving night for. Will Rogers versus Matt Corral, like the scoreboard operator is going to be fighting for his life. Um, but that Mike Leach system, of course, fun to watch uh, and it produces numbers. And we'll see if Mississippi State makes a splash out in the SEC West. And I think that will help Will Rogers' candidacy for the Heisman. No one celebrate by doing that uh, position on Thanksgiving night, hopefully. Um, that was uh, then maybe we'll, we'll get to see the, the true winner of that one. Um, yeah, I mean, moving on to running backs, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to keep it in the power five. I'm going to go with Trevion Henderson, uh, running back from Ohio state. Yes. I know they played Tulsa, but did you know, he had 24, uh, attempts, 277 yards and three touchdowns, man, that's almost a 12 yard a carry average, which is insane. And, uh, that name's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, and we'll see. Um, if anything, if there's running back out of the Big Ten I like for the Heisman, I like Kenneth Walker more at the moment because Michigan State is looking really good. It looks like they can take Ohio State too. But Trayvon Henderson had a great game, and that was sort of lost in translation with how they struggle with Tulsa, like you said. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see more. I mean, Ohio State has had scares against non-Power Fives in 2014. They they were losing to Navy in the second half. 2015, they, uh, they NIU only lost by one score to Ohio State, only beat NIU by seven. Uh, so we'll see with Ohio, Ohio State, but they do look vulnerable. Uh, for my running back, I'm staying with a guy I've mentioned before. I'm going to go with Deuce Vaughn, 23 carries, 127 yards, 62 carries to 371 on the year. And the, yes, there were better running back performances, but I like Deuce Vaughn a lot as a Heisman candidate because 
you know, he gets a load on that Kansas State team, and especially with Skylar Thompson hurt, he's going to get even more of a load. He's a great story, undersized guy, and I love his running style. It's almost like it's Darren Sproles 2.0 at Kansas State. Um, and it was a good win against Nevada. This weekend, uh, Kansas State gets tested against Oklahoma State in a game that's on ESPN+, Plus. surprisingly. Uh, so we'll see what Deuce Vaughn, but I'm liking Deuce Vaughn as a dark horse Heisman and this, his week, his performance this weekend, excuse me, really, um, really showed that. Yeah, definitely, man. A guy that I, like you said, you've mentioned before and uh, someone we'll keep an eye on throughout the running back period. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy that you just mentioned. Kenneth, Kenneth Walker was actually my next guy running back from Michigan state. Uh, 27 attempts, 172 yards, another three receptions for 17 yards and a touchdown. He's averaging two touchdowns a game, so this wasn't his best. But, uh, man, Kenneth Walker Walker is is looking like the real deal so far this year. Absolutely. And with, like, the way that all the quarterbacks on contenders, except for Matt Corral, are are playing, I feel like this could be a year where we see a running back gain some traction in the Heisman voting, especially Kenneth Walker. Uh, really came onto the scene on that on Friday on that Friday night game, Labor Day weekend against Northwestern, uh, with 264 yards, and he's just continuing to do it. He's a heart and soul of that Michigan State team that's really in the thick of the Big Ten race early on. For my next back, I'm gonna go with a guy that's really stat with uh that's really like padding the stats right now. I'm going with Rasheen Ali. He had 189 yards and three touchdowns in a loss to East Carolina. But he could be a sleeper for the Doak Walker if he keeps it up because he's got seven rushing touchdowns. He had four against Navy. Uh, if Marshall keeps feeding him the rock, then, uh, you know, it's easy to see him surpass 20 touchdowns on there, which could help his candidacy there. And especially in Conference USA, where running backs like Sincere McCormick are, they aren't disappointing, but they're performing below their production, la- his production last year, I should say, since I just mentioned one back. But I like Rasheen Ali following that proud tradition of, of Marshall running backs like Darius Marshall. Brendan Knox, uh, Devin Johnson, Rockhead Johnson. Um, really good work out there at out in Marshall, out in Huntington, West Virginia. Definitely, man. Um, someone will we'll keep an eye on that. That's awesome to see what he's doing there. Um, moving on to receivers. I'm going to go with the tight end, which I don't think we've – have we done tight end so far this year? Let me, let me guess, Trey McBride. Yes, you caught <laughs> I had him too. Trey McBride, the tight end from too. Colorado State. Nine receptions for 109 yards, no touchdowns. But Omar, did you know this? 109 of Colorado State's 110 receiving yards came from McBride. He is the guy over 99% of the time. He's had at least 100 yards in each of the last three games. And in his past two, he's had at least one 29-yard catch. So McBride is doing awesome work uh, over there in Colorado State. Yeah. So about on that note, since we're the hardware podcast about uh, Trey McBride, I put him on because I really think he's an early season favorite. Um, well, maybe behind uh, Notre Dame's tight end, whose name's escaping me right now. Oh, Michael Mayer. My, Michael Mayer. Uh, maybe behind him, but I think they're neck and neck in the Mackey award race, but Trey McBride is carrying the load of that offense, that Steve Adazio offense in Boston College, and what's one thing we know about Steve Adazio, uh, Adazio offenses? They like to run the ball a lot, and they work well off the play-action game. They run a lot of pro sets, so McBride is thriving. Colorado State, not so much, but that that was my guy, first off. Well, I'm going to go with my wide receiver, my first receiver. Um, you're forcing me to cheat later on my next with my second receiver selection, but I'm going to go with Drake London, 13 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns. And 
I know, I know Clay Houghton got fired, and that's taken a lot of the news out of USC, but he has 29 catches for 375 yards and three touchdowns in three games already. Looks like the quarterback change to Jackson Dart is really helping USC out, and I expect London to approach numbers that Juju Smith-Schuster, Robert Woods, Marquise Lee approached in their days at USC. Uh, really excited to see what he can do, uh, and maybe, maybe um, USC, things will change for USC out in the Pac-12 South. Yeah, hopefully. So like you said, uh, USC being head coachless has, has dominated the headlines for them. But man, there there's some players over there that's doing some they're doing some awesome stuff. Uh, we'll continue to see USC hopefully uh, keep succeeding. And Dart is is killing it uh, so far in his, his first couple of games. I'm going to go with Josh Downs, a wide receiver from North Carolina. Of course, it helps when you have Sam Howell throwing you the ball. But in the win versus Virginia, he had eight receptions, 203 yards, and two touchdowns. Downs has had a great year so far, and the quarterback play is, is great over there. So I, I expect to continue seeing him succeed so far this year. Absolutely. And I feel like we kind of forgot about North Carolina after they lost on, on that opening Friday night, which is a shame. Um, but I, the ACC looks like anyone's anyone's game right now. Looks like, especially like with Clemson looking vulnerable like they have, North Carolina looking vulnerable, Virginia Tech even, a team that we thought could be a sleeper. Um, so it's anyone's it's anyone's game, and we could see him gain traction in the Bolitnikoff Award, award finals. Possibly even, I mean, if he has a, a big enough game, maybe the Heisman race, because the Heisman race looks open except for Matt Corral right now. So my next receiver, I told you I was going to cheat a bit. I'm going with the Army slot back, Tyrell Robinson. And he, he's just been absolutely explosive. The past two weeks on 10 carries, slot backs don't get the ball much for Army, but he, he's had 10 carries, 165 yards, and uh, two touchdowns. This past week against UConn, I know it's UConn, he had three carries for 84 yards. It's like every time he touches the ball, he gives Army that explosiveness that they haven't had in a while. On the year, he has, from scrimmage, 15 touches and 220, 222 yards. And that, that's an insane amount for a guy that plays slot back slash slot receiver in any offense. So Tyler Robinson's my guy. Forced me to cheat a bit there. But if he gets more touches and if he really has an explosive game, I say even like a return touching against Wisconsin, then chalk up Tyler Robinson for the Horning Award, honestly. The, for most versatile player. No, it's a more, of an, a more obscure and newer award. Or even the Johnny the Jet Rogers Award for best return man. Another newer award. Yeah, man, I, I can't wait until we get a little bit later on in the in the season where we can really start doing a deep dive into some of these awards week by week. But for now, I'm loving what we're doing with Players of the Week. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking about him in October and November when we're starting to go over those. Um, uh, moving on to defensive players, I think each of us just have one. We're going to go with Marquis Bell, a defensive back from Florida A&M. He had a career high, 15 tackles, a sack and a forced fumble. And uh, I mean, just what an awesome, awesome week that uh, Bell had for Florida a and yeah, Absolutely. For the Rattlers, um, great program out there in the SWAC. Um, should be fun to see them and Bethune-Cookman their first year. I mean, Bethune-Cookman lost their first game narrowly to the defending uh, national champions, HBCU national champions, Alabama A&M on Thursday night. Uh, so really competitive conference out there. And of course we got Dion Stern thing or coach Sanders. Sorry. Uh, wants their respect. I'll give it to him. Coach Sanders um, out there in Jackson. So I'm going to stay FCS and 
beneath all the attention of all the games that are happening. Uh, the coach that never punts out there, uh, Kevin Kelly at Presbyterian out in Clinton, South Carolina, they, they hit a train, a camel train to be specific for Campbell. And they lost 72 to nothing. Ren Hefley, the guy that threw 10 touchdowns week one, threw, for, threw seven picks, not a single punt. They went two for nine on fourth downs. Not all those were deep in their own territory, but they still went two for nine. On defense, it was a group effort, really. But I'm going to spotlight JT Whitmore. No interceptions, but two forced fumbles, three stacks, and three and a half tackles for a loss for um, Campbell out there for Campbell. And really, I'm just uh, honestly a humbling game for Presbyterian and I guess if we could honor a team, I guess I would with seven interceptions. Absolutely insane numbers there. So, JT Whitmore, I'll let you be the representative for Campbell's defense. Yeah, um, ouch. That is that is tough. Anytime you throw seven interceptions, it's not a good day. Um, Zach Wilson, that, that's also aimed at him. <laughs> but, yeah, man, moving on to uh, the Heisman top five that you have I think this is the most different my week has looked from the previous weeks how about you yeah I mean I, I've shuffled a bit but yeah I mean I've kicked a couple guys off um and put it put a couple guys in the bottom but I feel like it's gonna look really different um for the first few weeks I'll go ahead and you you spoil your top five that you have right now Okay, I'm sure this is no surprise for both of us, but I got Matt Corral, number one, for what he's doing at Ole Miss, and he has huge games coming up. He's got Arkansas coming up. Uh, he's got, of course, LSU, Alabama, pretty much any team in the SEC West, you name it, that's good, Texas A&M, he's got it. So Matt Corral, I think, has got the clearest path, and that Lane Kiffin offense is working dividends for him. It really is. Uh, number two, I got Kenneth Walker, and I think that's a kind of a close second. Well, not really close, but – uh, it's not distant. I'll say that 57 carries 493 yards and five touchdowns. Those carry numbers are kind of down. Cause they only had seven against Youngstown state. But if Kenneth Walker keeps doing what he's doing, if Michigan state runs the table, ends up going to the big 10 title game and college football playoff with how thin the quarterback races with Spencer Rattler underperforming with Bryce young. I mean, not really do performing out of this world. DJ Uyangale underperforming. I can see a running back like him or CJ Verdell, who's number three on my list, uh, making noise, especially Verdell uh, with Oregon being a uh, playoff front runner for sure. Um, number four, I got Calvin Austin because you can't deny the things that he's doing. And he had a genuine high moment steeped in controversy, the controversial return. He, he channeled his inner Dwayne Harris. Uh, I don't know if you remember that return on Monday night football um, in Oakland. But he channels inner Dwayne Harris, returned the ball after the ball was downed. A lot of controversy with the SEC saying, yep, we messed up. And a lot of people saying that, that Memphis stole a game. But you can't deny the stats for Calvin Austin. He does it all, really. He had 100 turn yards. He had uh, 10 catch, over 10 catches, I believe, the past week. No, he had nine receptions, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Had that 239-yard game for three touchdowns. Uh, really doing great in that Martin, that Memphis offense, excuse me. And number five, I had Jake Hayner, which it's kind of tough for him playing in the Mountain West, which with, I mean, they kind of don't, they don't have a great TV deal. Uh, you kind of wish he had one of those games on CBS, which get a load of that this weekend, Jackson. We got our friend of the podcast, Rich Waltz, calling a game at 10 a.m. local time, uh, Utah State, Boise State. So again, that just shows how desperate the Mountain West is in terms of their TV deal. So that's my top five. And I know it was long-winded, so I'll repeat it. Matt Corral, Kenneth Walker, CJ Verdell, Calvin Austin, and Jay Kaner. And top, 
to bottom, we are very different, but top and bottom exactly the same. I added Jake Hayner and is my number five also. Uh, I've got my corral also is my first. That's the top. I've got Bryce Young just because um, he's at Alabama and he's a quarterback. And anytime you're there, you have a shot as long as you're not performing miserably. I've got Desmond Ritter as number three. You know me. I'm big on Desmond Ritter this year. I've still got him at the, over there in Cincinnati. I've got C.J. Stroud, and C.J. Stroud by no means like has like wowed me, but I also think I, he still has – we haven't seen anything awful from him. It's kind of like Bryce Young. Uh, we haven't seen anything awful from him aside from, you know, a loss, I guess. But uh, he still has the potential to win that. And then, like I said, Jay Kaner at number five. So – uh, Omar, how many games of the week are games to watch this week do you have right now? So week before week when we talked about Heisman elimination games. So I want to change the title of that from Heisman elimination games and put a slash next to it and call it coming out party games. Uh, so right. I have three, I have three of those type games on my list for this weekend, starting off with Michigan Rutgers. And I think that one's a huge game for the Rutgers program. They got 330 ABC slot. Uh, both teams are three and oh. The East is looking um, conquerable. I won't say wide open. It's looking conquerable at the moment. Um, and I think this could be a, a Heisman coming out party for Noah Vedral, their quarterback. And he was the guy, uh, I mean, he showed, he, he showed um, leaps and bounds. He improved by leaps and bounds and not even improved. That was his first year. He showed potential last year in the shortened season. And this year, I mean, he's been more of a game manager at times, been very efficient. He's been 43 of 54 his past two weeks with three touchdowns without a pick. Hasn't thrown a pick all year, actually. But if he can take the game into his hands against Michigan, we might we might see uh, Noah Vedral at the bottom of some people's uh, Heisman, top 10 Heisman list, or even top five. Uh, so that's my first game, 3.30 Eastern ABC, Michigan-Rutgers. Yeah, no, that will definitely be one. Rutgers or Michigan will get exposed, I feel like. It, it, it obviously can't be both, but we'll, we'll see with that. I've got Boise State and Utah State and uh, as my first game. Well, we typically don't talk about the betting line and all that just because I'm not into it. I know you bet on a few games. Uh, un- unfortunately, I uh, lose most of them. But um, I thought this was really interesting. The line was at uh, Boise State minus nine and a half, which Boise State is the one and two team and Utah State's the three and O team. So it kind of it's interesting, despite Boise State being a two loss team already, they're favored in this one by a pretty good amount, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so we'll see. Uh, that one's going to be new news turn on CBS. I'm interested to see what this game looks like. I mean, absolutely. And Utah State's offense has looked really good the past couple weeks. They had a come from behind victory against Air Force, which was really surprising. I mean, it's hard to come from behind against a service academy team. It really is, uh, no matter how far down you are. Like, they were down by 11 points in the fourth quarter. Air Force had scored a touchdown with 1037 left, and they came back. Uh, their quarterback, Logan Bonner, really doing really good out there for Utah State. Had 253 yards, two touchdowns last week. So he's a player to watch, along with Hank Bachmeyer, the usual suspects, of course, for Boise State. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just the name the name on the helmet that's getting the spread. I don't think it'll be a two-score game because it's at Logan. Um, but, yeah, that'll be interesting to see. And, of course, like I said earlier, our friend of the podcast calling it again on network TV. Um, you see, it seems like you see, it's like, it seems like we see him on Twitter and Instagram every single day because he he's a play-by-play guy for – 
the uh, Los Angeles Angels and who's on the Angels, the great Shohei Otani turning heads, hitting home runs left and right. And I mean, all, all you hear, you hear a friend on the podcast calling Otani. It's smooth. It's short. It's great. That's why we love Rich. I am a big Rich fan. Obviously, he was, he was generous enough to come on on the podcast. I am not, however, a baseball fan, so I have no idea who that is. So, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to have to edit that I'm out, man. That's going to take I'm a football heat, guy, man. I'm sorry. I don't keep up with uh, with irrelevant sports. Not even Shoei. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just messing. <laughs> I've got, as my next one, UAB at Tulane. Um, uh, You want me? You want me to take next game? I'll take next game. In the meantime, so I, while Jackson figures out the the doggy problems really quick, my next game, uh, I got there Memphis go. UCSA. I, oh, you're good. Okay. Oh okay. yeah, yeah, I'm good. So it's really interesting. Tulane is better in every major offensive category. UAB is a lot better in every major defensive category. So it kind of creates an interesting, not just for Michael Pratt. I noticed he dropped out of both of our Heisman rankings. It's hard to be a Tulane quarterback on a two loss team. Uh, this early and still be considered for the Heisman but um, it's not to say he's not a good quarterback and he is only a freshman so I'm excited to see him against a pretty good UAB defense and that's that's UAB's game I mean if you watched like the the conference title game on that Friday night in December uh, in 2020 it was just a really ugly, well, not really ugly. I wouldn't say ugly, but it's a defensive battle. I mean, UAB won 22 to 13. It was 15 to 13 um, mid- midway through the fourth quarter. So they got their one big play um, on that pass. But that's just the way UAB plays. It's like, I mean, they always say styles make fights. You That's UAB style. Run the ball, play defense. Um, so that that's that'll be interesting for sure. Uh, I'm looking forward to that one. I'm going to stay on the group of five train. And I'm going with Memphis UTSA, as I, as I said, while we're figuring out the dog problems, because both teams are 3-0. and uh, UTSA has high hopes in Conference USA, uh, competing with UAB in the West and Marshall in the East, even though Marshall looks a bit fallible after their uh, comeback loss to East Carolina. But just play, I mean, two of the best players in the group of five to watch right there. We got Sincere McCormick, a guy that we talked about a lot in 2020. I think he was a leading rusher in the country too in 2020. Uh, Calvin Austin, of course. So just a star-studded matchup and really good one too. Uh, and I think that one, I'm going to look that one up really quick. I don't have network specifics at the moment. Um, let's see. ESPN app coming in handy right now. So that one will be on ESPN U at 3.30. Memphis is a three-point favorite, which I, which looks about right. It'll be a close game. Yeah, no, that'll be awesome to watch. Uh, uh, I'm excited to see that one. For my last game, I've got I've got two um, that I kind of want to draw attention to. And one is kind of not so much even a game to watch, but it's a question. Uh, Nebraska and Michigan State. Is this a must-win game for Nebraska? Because it's going to be tough against Kenneth Walker and company to, to win for Nebraska. But is this like a make-or-break game for them, you think? Um, I think so. I think they can still get bowl eligible, uh, depending on their schedule. I'm going to, I'm going to look at the schedule really quick, but if you're in Nebraska, it's going to be a slow crawl. And I know their fans won't like to hear it getting to a bowl is the first step, which I think is still very doable. Do I think it's an uphill climb? They showed great. They showed great potential against Oklahoma this past weekend. I'll give them that. But I mean, for this year, maybe it's a make or break. 
Uh, does Scott Frost get fired after this one? I don't think so. I, I think they see him out a few more games, but yeah. People in Nebraska are too nice. There's no way they're going to fire him um, after this. But at the same time, it's like, man, if I'm a Nebraska fan and you're two and three, I'm just, that's just discouraging, man. Uh, but Michigan State's a good team. And if they blow Nebraska out of the water, man, it, it might be something that, that turns some heads. So that's going to be seven Eastern on FS1. Um, uh, do you want to do your last game to watch? I'll do kind of my second one. My second last one. Sure, I got I got a couple more. Um, okay, yeah, just, uh, okay, just, yeah. You go ahead more. with one. I'll do my last one. You, you do. Yeah. Um. So of course you mentioned EJ Perry and the first of the Ivy League's uh, Friday night games is this weekend. Brown versus Harvard at Harvard Stadium, stadium I've been to and I miss. I miss dearly. Love that. Love that nice horseshoe. Uh. But JT Perry, uh, or sorry, not JT. Excuse me, EJ Perry. Uh, just, I mean, like I said before, I mean, against a great Harvard team, they're probably going to be down a little bit early. So we'll see EJ Perry take things in his own hands. But on Harvard, too, they got Aaron Champlin, 14 carries, 183 yards against Georgetown. Really explosive. In 2018, 171 carries for 1,053 yards. So maybe this will be Aaron Champlin, Champlin's, geez, Champlin's coming out party for the Walter Payton Award. We'll see. But just a star-studded game out there in Cambridge. And honestly... There's a four-game slate on Friday night. That's probably the early game to watch, uh, unbiased. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on that on, uh, on Friday night. I thought you had a date Friday night, though. Where, where'd you get that idea, Jackson? I, I knew you didn't. That's, I'm just oh, say. dang, man. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm just throwing a little shade, but I'm, I'm not throwing shade at you. Don't worry. Um, Omar, you know me, you know, I love to put a little NFL spin on things with the hardware podcast, uh, reigning Super Bowl. You, you muted yourself. There we go. Okay. Um, you know, I love to put like a little NFL spin on stuff, man. Uh, reigning Super Bowl champion winning head coach uh, Bruce Adrians said Blaine Gabbert is the most underrated player in the NFL, which I thought was really interesting. I don't know if you saw that headline in the offseason. Um, man, what, what a perfect storm this is for Brett Gabbert to – I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. Go on. your mentor – be the most under mentor slash brother, be the most underrated player in the NFL, and to go against the 163rd ranked passing defense. Oh boy, that's awful. I think he pops off. He's gonna get his second straight win against um, who are they playing? Oh, Army. That's right. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna become a weekly thing. I'm just not gonna entertain that. Um, yeah, I knew it was coming, man. Once you said Blaine Gabbert, because I knew everything added up. So I'm just gonna move on from that. Um, so my last game, I'm going with the I'm going with the Southwest Classic. Well, actually, shoot, I'll go I'll go two games too since I I think, I think you're done with your games, Jackson. Right? You're, you're done. I'm just laughing at that. Uh, I've been 
for that all day, man. I'm sorry. All right. No, I mean, shoot. I, I know it's a running joke. Now. I, I get a kick out of it too. But um, so so for my last two games, I'm going with uh, Arkansas, Texas A&M. I think this one's a sneaky good game that people are kind of overlooking because Arkansas's, they're emer- Arkansas, they're emerging as a team. And KJ, KJ Jefferson is playing really well at quarterback. I uh, had three touchdowns last week. Um, and I think that's a game if he beats Texas A&M at Cowboys Stadium in Jerry World, like that's a that's a game that where he can sneak up into the, our top five, maybe for Heisman, if he really shows out. Um, he's, he's his stats haven't been as impressive, but we haven't seen if Arkansas is for real. This is a good test to see if they're for real. And then my, with uh, another HBCU classic, well, actually two HBCU classics, I'll, I'll lump them together. You love uh, to put a pro spin on things. Aquil Glass, the first player to accept an invitation to the HBCU Legacy Bowl at Yulman Stadium on February 19th this year. Uh, a guy that we talked about in the spring, pro-ready quarterback, showed his stuff um, last week on a Thursday night against Bethune-Cookman, throwing for 234, 234 yards. This week he has a game out at Old Lad People's Stadium in Mobile against Tuskegee for the Gulf Shore Gulf Shore Challenge. Um, hasn't thrown a pick this year. Threw for 426, his first game against South Carolina State. So good to watch out there. A nice HBCU classic, uh, nice neutral site game. And then we also got Kentucky State versus Benedictine. I made a mistake. They were playing at the John Merritt Classic at LP Field, uh, not LP Field, Nissan Stadium. Geez, I, I, it's hard to keep up with, with the sponsorships. Uh, Kentucky State plays Benedictine at Lucas Oil. Again, historical classic, like we mentioned last week. And the Thoroughbreds had a bit of a rough patch last week against Tennessee State, losing 41-7 at the home of the Titans. But just two HBCU classics. And I just love the spectacle. Um, you know, if you love bowl season, love neutral site games, don't tune in to Notre Dame versus Wisconsin or UNC Georgia Tech, mayhem at Mercedes-Benz, which I'm considering going to. Um, you know, Tune into those games. Yeah, man, definitely. I, I will say you have to pick one right now. You pick from Wisconsin or Notre Dame to win this. Um, I think Notre Dame because Notre Dame's got experience and the Jack Cohn payback game, man. Like you I, I gotta think the payback games in stores, especially the way that Graham Mertz has performed. Like Jack Cohn's gotta be saying, like, I I could I could have done this, you know. Uh no offense yeah. to Graham Mertz, but Graham Mertz is playing more like People saw last year the opening game against Illinois, and they saw Graham Mertz throw for, I think, four touchdowns and have, like, one incomplete pass or something like that. They saw him go off against Illinois, and they thought, man, this is the guy that Wisconsin needed. Then he goes out with COVID for two weeks, which might have been the reason why he lost his product. His uh, his productiveness went down. His production went down later in the season. Might have been the reason why. But uh, And then this year, after a, after a fresh season, seeing him perform the way that he has, it, it's almost like it's no different than the quarterbacks that Wisconsin has been having. There hasn't really been that game-breaking um, player under center. So I, I just got to go Notre Dame with experience and then Jack Cohn, you know, with the quarterback edge and I guess some motivation as well. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. You mentioned the uh, the Arkansas game. One thing I, I meant to add to that was if, if, you, if you do watch that game, Watch John Ridgeway, a uh, big old number 99 at the uh, nose tackle for, uh, for Arkansas, former high school wrestling champ. He's an Illinois state transfer. He's been making a difference since day one in Arkansas. So I'm, I'm excited to watch him against a pretty good Texas A&M team. Yeah, and I think this is just another test for people to see if uh, Texas A&M's real, if both teams are for real for that matter, um, because – I mean, this all, all these all these games are just minor tests until, of course, they play Alabama, 
you know that's that's the ultimate test but we'll we'll kind we'll sort of like see it's like um it's like i guess I don't really have an analogy right now. I, I guess, yeah, but you have a foggy window and you're trying to see, um, you know, what's in front of it. You like rub a little bit at like off at the time, rub a little bit of the mist off. That's sort of what it's like. We'll, we'll see the big picture against Alabama, but I'm excited for that one. Uh, do you think that one should be an on-campus game, Jackson? I guess as a sort of closer, because uh, a lot of controversy has been uh, posed about that game being at Cowboys Stadium and not on the campuses of those two schools. I don't mind it. I don't mind it at all. I don't like that it's a lot closer to Texas A&M. I don't know how well Arkansas fans travel. But, um, yeah, why not? And if I'm Arkansas, I love it because then, you know, I don't have to go to Kyle Field every other year. So that's a win for me if I'm an Arkansas fan, for sure. But, um, yeah, and that that should do it. Um, Yeah, very – I mean – and we'll find excitement in any week in the college football. I mean, there not every game will have a Titanic clash like Florida versus Alabama. Not every week we'll have that, but there will certainly be games that you know will pop up on our radar. Like I'm sure a lot of people weren't expecting SMU Louisiana Tech to end the way that it did, but still people tuned in and people were excited about it. So I'm excited to see what surprises college football has this weekend. Um, and of course, you know the Ivy League too. Ivy League on a Friday night. I know I'll be eating my clam chowder, my oyster crackers in support of Brown. Um, and EJ Perry. Does it pair well with green chilies, though, Walmart? Hey, uh, you call me by my name, Jackson. Mr. Butthead Butterfinger Investigator, apparently. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know why they put the air quotes, but... Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it took me by surprise. My my own... Uh, it's, it's the school my sister graduated from, uh, and, and a lot of my friends have graduated from as well, uh, you know, exposing me like that. I, I got to say I'm offended. But am I still considering going to that game next year when I'm stationed in El Paso on Labor Day weekend? Absolutely, because when else are you gonna are you gonna have an intersectional game like that? It, it's just the perfect recipe of weirdness. Exactly, and um, I'm sure they'll recognize you if you go. They'll be a social media guy. I'll be like, hey, that's Mr. Head Butterfinger Investigator. Yeah, they'll. Yeah, for for once, uh, putting putting commercial gimmicks on my on my Twitter nickname. I guess it worked for once, or worked backfired against me, because uh, the Butterfinger investigators they are they're like Limu, Emu, and Doug. They're characters created by the company to <laughs> to sell like with on with ongoing series to sell their product. Uh, and I thought it was hilarious, you know, that you have a group of people called the Butterfinger investigators, you know, investigating people stealing Butterfingers when they can be investigating a lot of different things like you know child trafficking, murder. And, and all that stuff. I mean, but they're investigating Butterfingers. It's like, what is this what our taxpayer money is going to? <laughs> we went on quite the tangent. So maybe next time we'll see a law and order Butterfinger investigator. So. <laughs> you know, we're, we're all just, we're all just trying to uh, work for sponsorships on this, on this podcast, whether it's Butterfingers or for too. me. Yeah. <laughs> or for me, uh, I forgot what brand it was, but the pot the can of potted meat that I posted on Twitter um, you know, I, uh, yeah. I'm a connoisseur of canned meats. What can I say? I like spam. I like I like canned meats. I'm a simple guy, and you know, sponsor me. I I don't think there's many guys like me. I'm an everyman. What can I say? That makes one of us. Uh well, yeah, man. Uh, that about wraps it up for this week. And you always know something crazy is going to happen in college football. There's going to be at least a couple of games that we didn't even mention that are going to go crazy. So excited to see what those are this weekend. Absolutely. And um, if there's anything we learned last week, it's that the $300 upper deck seats that Scott was talking about for a UNLV were just not worth it. They were, they were not worth it. 
and <laughs> I don't think they will be in the near future. I don't think so either. Yeah, man. Well, that that's about it. And uh, enjoy your uh, enjoy your weekend in college football. Absolutely. Same to you, brother. And to everyone else watching, enjoy the weekend and peace, love, and soul, everyone.